Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive in, I would love to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe. Uh, if you haven't already done so, that way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, this past week, <coughs> excuse me, uh, creatively wasn't as productive, um, but that's okay. Sometimes, you know, we need to take a step back and, you know, be energized, be inspired, and things like that, even with momentum on our side. So, you know, just a quick recap. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had finished the first draft of this latest script that I've been working on. Artie was well into revisions on it and stuff like that. And so there's a natural snowball effect with that, right? Things were moving well. Uh, I mentioned last time out in, in my blog that I was at the point where I wanted to be, you know, at the start of all this, meaning I had something concrete to look at and knew the revisions, you know, I, I could look at it, I could assess it and be like, okay, we need to change this, we need to delete this, we need to add this, all that stuff, right? Because you can look at something that's tangible in front of you as opposed to it being theoretical and having to like, I don't know, the, the, from the concept to first draft for me tends to be very arduous in that way. Because you have nothing to work off of. You have to literally generate it. Whereas now, as I said, I can assess and see what's in front of me and make the adjustments as needed. So that's an exciting part. Now, the, the momentum was forward progressing, right? So I could have easily continued on that. But where I'm going with this was it's just nice every now and then to take a step backward and yeah, just recharge essentially. And so for me, you know, I decided, let me, let me go to Chicago um, for the, essentially the weekend. Um, like essentially to me, I looked at it as a mad ad lib uh, or mad lib um, where I wanted to do something a little bit random. You know, this year I'm trying to think of ways and activities that I wouldn't normally think of to do and get outside my bubble because I forget the exact age, but like there's, you know, a lot of research out there that by certain age, let's say 25, it could be 25, could be younger, could be slightly older, but somewhere in there, I think, um, you know, based on kind of our routines and interests, we, we pretty much like make up our own mind about like what we like to enjoy, uh, do and things of that nature. And so for me, I'm trying to kind of counteract that and go against that sort of conditioning, if you will, right? And so I was like, okay, well, I don't normally think to go to concerts. Like, unless someone invites me, it's not part of my normal routine. Like, I'll go to friends' concerts. Like, that's definitely um, something that I've done. But, like, going to see a big artist, you know, no, that's not part of my overall routine. I guess it has something to do with that. I don't really listen to like 
albums straight through. I mean, the way I listen to music is generally like if I like something, I'll listen to it. Um, a lot of my discoveries come through, you know, watching movies and them having, you know, various uh, songs and stuff like that. So I'll look up the soundtrack and stuff like that afterwards. And then, you know, that might kind of link down a rabbit hole of similar music and stuff, stuff like that. So that's generally how I find and listen to music. And so, you know, concerts has never just been like this thing of like, oh, let me go to this because I definitely want to see this person live. So, you know, for me, I was like, okay, well, let me just, <clears throat> let me just do something a little bit random. So, uh, you know, there's this artist named Ava Max, and I never know her through, she has a song with Tiesto called The Motto. She's got other good songs and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, um, she's on the rise. Uh, generally, from my friends' experiences, they say, go see a younger artist because they're going to put a lot more effort into it versus some of these older um, established stars. They don't necessarily need it. And a good example of that is one of my friends went to the Lil Wayne concert in L.A. And basically, they waited for him for three hours to get on stage. He did two songs, didn't like it, and left. So, you know, not an experience that I would want especially when you're paying you know very large prices right not only for the concert tickets but perhaps travel and stuff like that so for me I was like okay well you know this is an up-and-coming artist I like enough of her songs you know um she'd be playing in Chicago where one of my best friends lives so why not? Like, let's just let's just make it as sound as, as crazy as it can be. So that way, yeah, it, it is seemingly crazy. Um, because I don't want to be in that day-to-day, you know, just monotony of things. Not, not that any of, like, I'm excited with everything that I've been doing. But, as I, you know, sometimes it's good to just rattle the system, if you will, and do something completely different, right? And this for me was something completely different, going to Chicago for the weekend to see Ava Max and, you know, be in, be, be in Chicago. So, you know, that's what I did. And she put on a great show at the House of Blues. It, it, was, it was really fun. And um, I'd been to Chicago once, but this was great to see it, you know, in a different way. Um, I love exploring streets and just walking them and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what overall that was about. And it was, it was a great trip in that way. The thing that was interesting that I didn't as expect was search pricing is now, to me, becoming just this accepted thing in all facets. And I don't, I don't like it, and I don't think it should be allowed. You know, so surge pricing is based on, you know, it's like kind of this theory of like supply and demand, except just taking to quite, quite an extreme, if you will. And, you know, they now do like the famous example was like Uber, you know, depending on traffic and stuff like that or time of day, you know, they want to hike up the prices and so forth or, you know, based on location, stuff like that. And now this is extended into flights, uh, hotels, um, and all aspects of life. And Taylor Swift happened to be in Chicago. Like, I didn't know this going into it, but she, you know, was there 
for that weekend as well, playing in Chicago at Soldier's Field. And so because she was in town, that drew so many other people. And so, you know, all of a sudden everything is surge price because of Taylor Swift. And it's just, yeah, like if a hotel room is $200 a night, it's like, it should be $200 a night. You know, I was having this sort of debate uh, with Ian. He was like, well, what would you charge for it? I was like, the price that it is, you know? Um, and, it, and he's like, so it'd be a first come serve, first serve? Yeah. You know? Uh, that, because at the end of the day, it's not like these price increases ultimately end up going to the hotel workers um, or whatever it may be you know, or, or airlines, right? It's not really going to the pilot or the stewardesses and so forth. It's going to the corporation, right? So it's not like, I mean, someone obviously benefits from these surge prices. It's generally not the people. And, you know, we've just kind of, kind of grew to accept this. And not only that, like, you know, with airlines, you know, there's the ticket price, but then there's also now all these like surcharges. The Spirit Airways, you know, they're kind of known for this, which is why I never fly them, where you buy your ticket, but then if you want any sort of luggage, that costs you stuff. And like everything's just an add-on, right? When, you know, a ticket that you thought was going to cost you $50, all of a sudden now you've spent like $800 on. That's an egregious example. Uh, probably not fully true, but, you know, you get the point. Now flights are doing that and... You know, they used to, you know, at first, many, many years ago, right, they added the charge of, like, if you want to check your bag, then, you know, that's going to cost you. And maybe if you're lucky, you get the first bag for free. Generally not. Um, You know, and so forth. Now, we're at a point where you're getting charged for carry-ons. It's like, you know, for me, it was always like, well, I don't necessarily want to check my bag in because a you know it just requires more time because you're waiting at the damn carousel afterwards um plus with the fee that was added for it it's like no let me just have a carry-on and that'll be that now they're like essentially punishing you you know where i like no matter what you got to do it and in a way it's almost like i remember speaking with united and it's almost like poor shaming in a way. They're like, well, you got the basic economy. And it's not even just them, but like I, I spoke with various friends and they're like, oh, you got the basic economy, that's why. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, wh- wh- why are we so like accepting of this? You know, everything's just a damn add-on. For what reason? And it makes no sense to me. I mean, obviously I get it. It's a money grab thing. Um, but as I said, who's it benefit? <laughs> not... Not the not the workers overall, certainly not the customer, and it's just a complete. I don't know. It, it, it like something. You know, I have nothing against Taylor Swift, right? Um, but yeah, she drew so like because she was in town, she drew all of this surge pricing with her, and if anything, like I know there was that hearing against like Ticketmaster and so forth. Like, if anything, like, let's just look at all of it, right? If there's any good that, that will come of this, you know, and, and not that it's Taylor's responsibility to have to do any of this, 
but since he's kind of seems to be the in the eye of the storm of all all the surge pricing, um, it would be fantastic if she could run with that ball. And I don't know what the solution is because it's like what what other option as a customer do you have? And of course, the simple answer is well, nothing says that you have to go anywhere, right? And that's kind of where we're getting to. I mean, I'm not the only one. Um, you know, there's an f- article um, that came out about a family. You know, they, they wanted to go to Disney and um, and then they couldn't. And again, it's it's one of those things. Well, okay, who they're not entitled to go to Disney. Disney is a luxury, right, and stuff like that. But but in a way, like you know, the whole notion of it when it was created was so. Families could go on vacation and stuff like that. And it's like, in a way, it's almost like the snake eating the tail because part of, you know, what these companies want is people to come there and spend the money, right? Because that's how, quote unquote, the economy works. But you're going to shun people out because they're not going to go anywhere um, because the costs are too high. It's a miserable experience, you know, and so forth, right? Like, Certainly customer service for any of these companies, like, it's like, who wants to deal with this? So in a way, you know, just by those two factors, you know, we'll all just be beaten to a pulp in a way. And it's like, okay, well, you know, and then the, <laughs> and then the, the, the corporations will complain like they're, they're losing customers. It's like, well, yeah, no wonder why. So I don't know. I don't, I don't like... I know what I'd like to see. I don't necessarily know how to get there, um, you know, just as an individual. And it's tough, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, even recently, um, the Supreme Court made a big decision, an eight to one decision um, against essentially unions where if unions cost, I mean, it's a little bit more nuanced than this, so you know, check it out, check deeper into it. But really, it does set like this odd precedent that if unions strike and they do financial harm against the company, then the union is liable. And if your head's kind of like being like, okay, that's weird. Isn't the point of a of a strike to, to gain that leverage? So the corporation walks to the table knowing that their bottom line is being hurt. You are correct. That is the point of the strike. You know, with the writer's strike currently, their whole point is that without the writers, there are no movies and shows for these streamers to have, right? And so therefore, um, they're trying to send that message so the, the streamers come to the table and renegotiate with the writers. And yes, it has already like dropped the streamers' market value and so forth. That is the point. Now, to then have the, the Writers Guild of America or whoever, um, you know, eventually may strike against these corporations, whether it's SAG, DGA, probably won't. It might look like, but we'll see. Anyway, the point is, why are they on the cusp, right? <laughs> you know? Um, so it's these things that it just continues to cut at the majority of people's knees, you know? And it's not a good trend. Um, again, do I have a solution? Not necessarily. 
Does that mean I just want to be in the shadows complaining and stuff like that? No, not at all. I mean, you know, if, like I've never seen so I, I've, I've never seen where you have to pay to have a carry on. And I, you know, I did what I could in the sense like I tried to argue it, um, you know, in the best way that I could. I tried to be like, well, when does when did we start doing this? You know, just trying to get at it. And I was like, okay, well, can you just like. I know it's probably not going to do much, but can you like put in a complaint for me, like anything and do it in a respectful way? Because I understand like the people that I'm dealing with, they're not the ones at fault. They're just, you know, ultimately at the whims of these decision makers. But yeah, there's just this complacency of like, oh, well, that's the way it is, you know, and it's, and it's like, you know, that's the way it is and you're wrong. It's like, okay, but why do we just willingly fall over and accept it, right? You know, speaking of streamers, here's kind of the, the, you know, when we became like cord cutters, right? The whole notion of all of it was anything, anywhere, anytime, right? Whatever you want to watch, whatever movie, whatever TV show, you will have access to it. And that's so not true. Like, you know, now Warner Brothers started it as you know they took away shows as like a write-off and now other streamers are following suit you know disney did the same thing and so forth and the weird irony is that like there will be a rise in piracy there already is and in an odd way it's a good thing because it preserves some of the stuff that will never exist out there you know, it's like archiving cultural artifacts in an odd way. Like, that might sound like hyperbole, but really think about it. Like, there's certain TV shows, movies that, like, if they're taken away, you know, most of them never even had, like, the opportunity for physical sales, right? So, like, Blu-rays and so forth. And so the only way you could access them was through streamers and, and at, the, at their whims, if they take that away, then it's gone forever, you know? And some of them, yes, might get relicensed and go to other streamers and so forth. That's kind of where some of the stuff is headed. But, you know, there's certain shows that will never see the light of day. And the only way for fans and whoever to, like, be able to access it it's through piracy. That's just crazy to me. Especially, you know, like the unwritten rule of streaming was anytime, anything, anytime, anywhere. And I just, no. Like, and again, it's something that like, it seems to be finally heading for people. But in a way, they're still confused, you know, because like now with Fast 10 being out in theaters, you know, a little bit ago, I was like, okay, well, you know, I love to check out and watch some of the other movies. Now, granted, you could, you know, for the Fast franchise, you can get the Blu-rays and stuff like that. And you can buy or rent through, you know, whether an Amazon or Apple. But you can't stream them anywhere. You can stream Fast 9 on, on Peacock. But isn't that crazy? Like, the biggest franchise, well, like, wouldn't you want people sort of Rewatching those and stuff like that. Like it's, it's just crazy to me that 
this was essentially the promise and, and it's not there. And, and of course it's not there because, you know, it's, it's all money thing. But doesn't mean it's right, you know? Um, and we'll see how it all ultimately goes, but yeah, it's just, it's just weird, you know? Um, it is what it is ultimately. And we can try to do what we can, you know? One of the things that I think about often is, you know, the word enlightenment, right? Like in self-help, you know, people trying to get towards enlightenment. What does that mean? You know, some people say it's an awakening. Well, what's awakening from? From yourself, you know, to see the world as it really is and stuff like that. And, you know, and in many ways, it's very easy to be enlightened when you're in the middle of nowhere and just meditating for hours on end and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I talk about this often, like, yeah, if you go on, on a vacation to Bora Bora or wherever and it's magical, beautiful, it's easy to claim that as, oh, this is paradise. The much harder and I think more meaningful thing, search, is to find paradise in the everyday with people in a society. Right? Because that to me is the, a, the much harder th thing. You know, it's, it's a lot more easier to be at peace and tranquil when you're not dealing with, you know, individuals on a day to day basis. It is a lot easier. Um, and so for me, there's a meaningfulness to that ability to remain calm and, you know, to, to create the change within the society of it, of, of all of it, you know, of all these turbulent times, let's say, rather than shy away from it. And, you know, yes, I'm highlighting a lot of the negatives and, you know, um, one of the things that gets me through all of it is also recognizing the things that are beautiful, right? And having gratitude about all of it and not, not allowing like, this to ultimately get to me, right? Like I can recognize the issue and I can find my place in it of like, okay, well, what can I try to do, right? Um, but it doesn't seep into my core, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, I was in this elevator and basically I was at like the bottom floor right? Literally the bottom floor. You couldn't, the elevator would not go lower. And there was a guy there and, you know, I got in and he's like, this one's going down. I was like, uh, this is, this, this is, you know, this is down. There's no, um, further. It's actually going up. He's like, no, it's going down. I was like, okay. And so I hit, uh, the floor that I was going to and he realized that it was actually going up and he was so pissed. He like slammed his hand and hit like, you know, six buttons all at once. I'm sure if he could like literally hit all of them, he would have. And I just turned to him and I'm like, how does this help anybody? And he's like, it helps me. And, and it's just right to like, we all go through our stuff, right? Um, and that's why You know, I didn't get upset with him. Like for me, at that point, what good is it for me to get like angry at him or frustrated? Like, at, you know, like to have the same reaction as him was never going to help me. And certainly was going to, if anything, was just going to escalate 
any issues that could have been. Um, and it was just interesting to witness and that sort of response because it is more of a typical response in people that that frustration, that aggravation of life. And I don't judge it. I, I, I if anything, I just understand it. Um, you know, but yeah, I always, for me, when I deal with situations like that, like, how does this help me to like lash out in that way and just hit all the buttons, right? What does that do? You know, momentarily it might help, but like if, if the dude's purpose was to go down, you know, all of a sudden, um, <laughs> it's like that doesn't help your cause either because now the elevator, um, you know, instead of going just straight up, it, it now it's, yeah, so people, people are very interesting. Also, random observation, but Chicago loves big dogs, and I'm cool with that. I love big dogs, and Chicago had a lot of big dogs. So, um, speaking of changes and enacting change, there, there's a wonderful quote that I heard, you know, um, being on stage doesn't create solutions. Being in circle does. And so what that means is, you know, we try to go to panels or whatever, you know, um, we listen to like the leaders of various companies and so forth and, you know, or leaders of government talk about, you know, the policy that needs to be enacted and so forth, rather than come together collectively as a community and brainstorm and workshop and so forth, these ideas and that really resonated with me. And it resonated because it, it's it's true, you know? But we do, we do quite the opposite because we look to people on stage to give us all the answers, right? We look to these, you know, uh, geniuses, so-called, and they have all the answers and so forth. And, and it's not even that we, I mean, like the, the, the insidious part of it perhaps is that it's not that we even necessarily look up to these people, but they're self-aggrandized and they have the, let's say, financial wealth or power or whatever it may be to dictate, you know, such things. So, yeah, it's odd. Being on stage doesn't create solutions. Being in circles does. So that was a, that was a big, big takeaway for me. Um, just a few more things that, you know, have been randomly on my mind. Another sort of thing. I was listening to a podcast um, and I think it it was Seth Godin who said it, I think, on the Simon, Simon Sinek show um, called A Bit of Optimism. I know it was definitely a bit of optimism that I heard it from, but, um, but anyway, um, the term human resources gives away the game because humans are not a resource. And for, again, like, such a simple and obvious truth that like, you know, it's, it's, it's like you're a fish in water, you know, water is all around you, but, it, and it's so obvious, but if you're not, if you're the fish, you don't consider it in that way. So someone has to say like to you, uh, you know, Hey, that's water. Right. And, um, there, there's a wonderful, and the reason I bring that up, um, it's from a wonderful commencement speech by David Foster Wallace called this is water. One of my favorite speeches ever. And it talks about that, you know, the, the clear and obvious truths until we get out of our default thinking, 
We don't see it. And so human resources, yeah, is, is gives gives away the game, and yet we don't think about it, right? Because it literally, you know, the, I mean, I always knew, um, you know, HR is not really there for the protection of the worker. They're more um, there on behalf of the company, right? And they will always side with the company over the individual. That's just, that's just truth, right? But yeah, when you think about it, like human resources, they're, they're there to essentially mine people as a resource. Humans are the resource and we're there to mine them. Like it's, it's wild to me. I laugh about it because of how just blind to just that fact I've been. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really crazy to me. Um, all of this stuff, you know, um, you know, and, and, Going back to like the, the the Supreme Court decision, right? That was an eight to one decision. And again, how it fully reverberates, we'll ultimately see. But you know, an eight to one decision doesn't represent just a victory. That's that's not even a majority. That's an agenda. Because that also represents you know the conservatives and the non-conservatives. There's just one person who ultimately descended. And so, you know, all, all this talk of like, the, you know, pro-democracy and pro, like, it's all just talking points. Because you can look at the laws and, and the actions and they go the complete opposite way. You know, the liberal just like, even though they're not the majority of the Supreme Court, they, there shouldn't just be one that like went against this ruling if they're so-called for the people. But here we are, you know, and that's why, that's why I hate modern politics. You know, and people say, well, you're not voting, you know, for someone to marry, you're voting them for the government and stuff like that. And I, okay. But it very much feels like politics is the lesser of two evils. They're both very evil. I like, I want neither, you know, and I think we have to look for new paths, really, um, in all of this. You know, and, you know, on various, like, let's say, dating apps or online and stuff like that, one of the things that, like, seems to come up is, like, you know, share your most controversial opinion. And I guess if I, apparently, this is a controversial opinion, which is I want to let people decide for themselves. I want... I want people to have, you know, let, let's respect people enough to have their own ability to discern information, right? Because as it stands right now, so much of the media landscape, and I don't mean just traditional mainstream media, but I'm talking about social platforms and other stuff as well, you know, and, and, and this goes for both left and the right and all of it in between. There's this notion that, we have to, you know, censor or ban or, you know, add misinformation labels, whatever. And it's like, just let people, you know, just let it be out there and trust that they can weed it through themselves. Now, again, that doesn't mean that people won't fall into deep dives and yada, yada, yada. You know, it, it does open up the notion that, yes, people will believe some crazy stuff. and But they already believe some crazy stuff. Um, 
And again, crazy by whose definition, right? That's a whole separate thing. But just having that like trust and, and respect ultimately is what it is. Like that you can make up your own mind, you know, as opposed to saying, no, 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 you're too dumb to understand this. So we can't give it to you because it'll warp your brain. I just fundamentally don't like that. And so that is a controversial opinion of mine, I guess. Um, the other one, sort of more humorously, um, I'm seeing people talk about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse being the best animated movie of the year, and blah, blah, you know, or ever. And I think it's a very good movie. I think it's fantastic. I loved it. I, in fact, want to go see it again. But for me, even this year, Suzume takes the cake. Um, you know, I think... I, I just love movies that are out-of-the-box inventive. And certainly, you know, uh, both Spider-Man animated movies thus far have created an amazing animation style and been inventive within that format. And story-wise, they're really well done. But, like, a movie like Suzume just takes it to another level. It's like, where did you come up with this? You know? Um, so, yeah, that's another controversial opinion of mine, apparently. Um, yeah, so that's what I've got for you overall. Um, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of what I've been doing, what I've been thinking. Things of that nature. Um, back, to, back to the creative stuff this week. So looking forward to that and, you know, seeing how all of these pieces of life fit together. I think that's, that's the big component of it. You know, we, we sometimes, as I said, got to go into the world, you know, take a step back from our own stuff, observe. And even if we can't fully process those aspects and what does it mean in, in those moments, well, it's just good to sort of marinate on it and, 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 and see it and, you know, maybe someday it'll make sense. Maybe someday it won't, but it um, doesn't mean that there's not value to it all. So this has been my sort of exploration of, of all these things through my Chicago trip. So thank you so much. I truly do appreciate you if you like what I do and think you may benefit from more direct interaction. Of course, there's my coaching. So you can go on my website, philosophytech.com look at the information and schedule a coaching session um, or uh, you know another direct way for us to interact is through my patreon page patreon.com slash philspeedtech it's only ten dollars a month you can sign up there and get the various bonuses and uh, you know uh, monthly Q&A's and stuff like that with me so that way I can be a little bit more direct help to you so those are your various options thank you as always as I said and hope to see you next time